So are you going to ask the questions and then I respond to them or do you just want me to like monologue? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll ask some questions, but if you want to go off, then you can. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so hi, Camille. Could you introduce yourself to those listening? Hi. Um, yeah, my name is Camilla. I am from Los Angeles. I am currently a master's student at Brown University, recently graduated in May. Um, I've been living in Providence for the past four years and will be applying to medical school at some point in the near future. Um, yeah, but <laughs> 22 years old, doing good. Um. Could you share what you majored in and um, one of the reasons, or one of the main reasons why you applied to Brown or chose Brown? Yeah, um, so let's see. I'll start with Brown first. It was kind of a last minute decision of mine to apply. I, you know, my entire life I was gonna go to USC. That was my plan and um, Actually, for a couple of months, I was nesting into the USC. You know, I applied early. Um, so I was fully, fully set going to school about you know, 30, 30 minutes from my house. And, you know, I, I very much see myself as, you know, a California native, LA native. Um, would have been very nice. It would have been a nice fit for me for sure. But, um, you know, my dad is from Boston. I grew up going to, um, you know, a small town outside of Boston every summer. I was always in love with the East Coast, as many people, I think, on the West Coast are and vice versa. But, um, yeah, so my sister had actually graduated from RISD, which is an art school, um, Rhode Island School of Design, that is right down the hill from Brown. And I visited her a couple of times during my, I must've been you know, 13 or 14 when it happened. Um, and I never fully, you know, I never fully committed to thinking about Brown um, for myself, but the summer before my senior year, I, while I was in Boston visiting my dad's family, I went on a couple of tours you know I went to MIT um, Columbia Brown and Northeastern I think and I just completely fell in love with um, I just completely fell in love with Brown on the tour I, I just I hadn't I had like hard eyes for it and I tried not to <laughs> I tried not to kick myself into thinking that I could get in but it was such a nice school I mean, sorry, such a nice school and you know the tour guide was so quirky and fun and everything that she talked about um about brown really you know um made it seem like a good fit uh they have this thing called the oakman curriculum here so we actually don't have to take any you know ge's like a lot of other schools you can kind of design your own curriculum of course when i got here it it's a lot harder to do that when you have pre-med requirements and when you're also trying to do your um, your requirements for your concentration. But um, my whole vision for my undergraduate career was the pursuit of useless knowledge. And I'm using that in air quotes because it is, I think, I read a book one time called The Pursuit of Useless Knowledge. I don't remember who the author was, but um, I did want my undergraduate career just to be for exploration and of course at that time in your life you don't really know what you're interested in high school is very regimented and you know honestly when I got to Brown it was overwhelming I I didn't know what college was like and um, I also I remember going to my first advising appointment and she asked me what I, you know, my advisor asked me what I wanted to take. And I had put genetics in my shopping cart. <laughs> also at Brown, one of the things too, is you don't know your classes on the first day. You, for the first um, week and a half of the semester, we have something called shopping period. So you can just go to different courses that you're interested in, see if it's a good fit. Um, 
And I put genetics in and, you know, <laughs> genetics, little did I know, is this very rigorous course at Brown that most people don't take until their sophomore, junior year, which is, you know, I mean, it's not super, super, um, it's not super overwhelming or difficult, but for a freshman who hasn't even taken chemistry at a college level or, you know, bio, bio at a college level, it is you know, not the right choice. And I remember my advisor was just like, maybe you should pick something else like intro to neuro or intro to something else. Um, so yeah, I, it was, it was weird because I, I envisioned myself going to this school and being able to, you know, create, I mean, there, there are two ways that I think people go into college and maybe, this is because I haven't experienced the other way, but um, I kind of pictured myself having the same type of courses that everyone else was having um, and going through the same process. But actually the reality was everyone I knew, no one I knew was taking the same courses as me. And I kind of had, I really had to choose, choose what I wanted to do. And honestly, a lot of those decisions were just because someone mentioned a class um, in a passing conversation and I checked it out and I ended up liking it or someone told me not to take a class. And so I didn't take it, um, which, you know, so I didn't really think through everything as much as I should have. Um, but you know, I am where I am today and I'm, I'm so grateful for all of the classes I have taken. Some of them were complete, you know, flukes. And I was just like, that wasn't for me. Um, I remember I took, I took intro to neuro my freshman year and I was like, I'm going to be a neuroscience concentrator. And then I took um, principles of neurobiology, which was very, very zoomed in about neurons and action potentials and all of the, you know, equilibrium that goes into it. And I was just like, this is not for me. And so I switched. Um, yeah. So a lot of, I, I, I'd say the first two years that I was at Brown, I, was a little bit lost and not in a negative way. It was just, you know, I was figuring out what I wanted to do. And, you know, I was also, you know, tons of new people, just complete culture shock in general. Um, it's a confusing time, but I'm happy it happened. I, you know, there are some rough, rough patches and you have to figure out how to talk to professors when you're in a three, you know, I remember just, I, you know, we both went to the same high school as, mm -hmm. you know, 80 girls in a class. And, you know, a lot of your classes, you have max 16 people in it. So your professor knows you. Um, but at Brown, I was just one of 300 in a big lecture hall. And, you know, you have to really learn how to advocate for yourself. Um, so that was definitely something that I struggled with when I came to Brown. Um, also just the whole like little fish, big pond mentality mm -hmm. fully just struck me. You know, I was, I thought of myself as being a really good student and it's not that I didn't think my, that of myself afterwards, but I was like, oh my gosh, every, everyone can work hard and do this. And I just have to work harder if I want to compete which I don't think Brown is a very competitive school at all I never experienced any of that but it was definitely like you know you would meet someone and then you would hear from someone else that person did this you know x y and z all in like three years ago and mm -hmm. you just kind of feel like you don't compare as much but that's that's part of college I think um in general yeah but, sorry did that answer the question yeah did I say yeah. I supposed to say something else um what did you major in oh yes um so after my whole like neuroscience gender mm -hmm. studies all of this this fiasco figuring out what I wanted to do um I ended up concentrating in um human health and human biology which I like to call a softer bio basically I wanted the freedom to be able to take, you know, public health courses, neuroscience courses, um, psychology courses, sociology courses, without only taking classes in the biology department. So um, 
yeah, health and human bio, let me do that. I did the brain health and behavior track, which aligned itself with um, some of my other extracurricular activities. Um, I never, even though I didn't end up concentrating in neuroscience, I still was really drawn to the subject and, and drawn to psychology in general. Um, but I didn't want to concentrate in psycho psychology just because the requirements were, um, I started really late. And if I had done that, I would have been taking um, psychology courses for the rest of my time at Brown, which is not what I wanted to do. So um, health and human bio was a good fit. It's a small concentration, but it was it was a goodie. Yeah. Mm. Um, something you mentioned was, I think, in college, like seeing other people and thinking about like all their accomplishments and then kind of like comparing it to yourself, which I've heard that among some of my friends is that it seems like a common issue in college, especially when you're in like your freshman or sophomore year mm -hmm. and hear about all these activities that people did in high school or all these projects uh, that they're working on. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever experience or at least know someone who experience imposter syndrome, especially at such a prestigious school like Brown? Yeah, that is, I mean, it's, I think many people and most people experience it. Um, it's funny because, you know, most of the time when you experience it, you don't tell other people, or at least that's been my experience. And mm -hmm once you get close to someone and then you realize that they're, and then you have like, you think of them as this amazing person and they are an amazing person. And then you find out that they also were having the same doubts as you. It's, it's unreal. Just thinking about how prevalent this mentality is. Um, yeah. When I, when I came to Brown, I was just, you know, because part of your first semester or, I mean, part of, starting school in a new place with new people um you know there is a little bit of peacocking that happens and that's not because someone is conceited or it's because someone wants to make other people feel less than they are it's just you know people are asking you to define yourself in you know one sentence or like one to two sentences and it's just that's impossible you're going to talk about the it's it's almost like a informal resume it, it feels sometimes like someone is asking you for your resume when you, upon meeting them. Um, or yeah, I remember my first night at Brown, I walked into this. So my, my roommate was from New York. Um, she was from the upper West side from this, from these, what we call like feeder schools into Brown. There are a couple of schools in the Northeast that um, send like all of their kids to the Ivies and, mm. you know, um, so she had a big friend group coming into Brown and she, at least she knew people from within the city who came to Brown all with her. And so I walked into this party and I remember her telling me like, oh, that girl wrote a book. Oh, that guy scored this on his like math exam and got a national award. And I don't, I don't yeah. even know. It was just all of these um, comments about different people. And once I got to know those people, I found out that was not the you know, that was not their thing. It wasn't the thing that they talked about. It was just something that happened to happen. Or you find out that, you know, this person was in fact very privileged and her mom has a publishing company and mm -hmm. a lot of money, you know, it's, you have to take all of these things into account. And so I think when, when these, um, when these blanket statements about an individual are given out of context, it can make you feel like you're on the same especially when you're starting at the same school it seems like it's a level playing ground but it's really not because everyone's coming in with a different perspective with a different background you know things that everyone knows but it's hard to really implement it into your everyday thinking because you do have these insecurities um about measuring up to other people's expectations and measuring up to your own so, yeah but no, definitely a lot of a lot of the people that I, a lot of my friends, the grand majority of my friends and the people I know have experienced imposter syndrome, and it's remarkable because they're all doing incredible things right now. Um, there are people that you wouldn't expect to have it. 
Yeah, sorry, I was muted for a second because they're talking about a mask thing. Um, oh, no worries. I know how uh, it goes. <laughs> uh, so you had your entire uh, freshman and sophomore undergrad experience like in person. Um, how would you describe like your first impressions of the school? Um, do you have any tips for people like currently in college on like making friends for, you know, like balancing the social and study busy life? Yeah, oh, that's a really good question. It's also, <laughs> it is, it's hard to answer because there are so many sides, I think, to this question. Um, there's so much to talk about, too. I think that first and foremost, if I were to do college again, I would really appreciate if someone had come up to me and told me that, um, like, it is not always what it seems. And by that, I mean, I think everyone has also experienced, and this is something that I think a lot of people in our generation knows about that um, social media is not a good representation um, mm -hmm. of people's lives. And I remember feeling my freshman fall so disconnected from everyone and everything that was happening. And I felt like I didn't have any true friends at Brown. And of course, I mean, I had only known these people for a month or two. And a lot of, actually, I met a lot of my friends that I have now my freshman fall, but I wasn't close to them then at all. And I was missing my like best friends from home. I was seeing on Snap, I remember Snapchat was the big, I don't know if people still use Snapchat, but um, I definitely don't, but uh, I remember my freshman fall, Snapchat was all the rage. Um, people would post, you know, going to different parties and hanging out with different people on their stories. And you would just intake all of that content and it all looks so positive. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, for some reason there's something wrong with me because I, apparently everyone else has, has these close knit friend groups and I don't. Um, I also have never been the person who falls really easily into a friend group. I have a lot of individual close friends that are pretty spread out. And I think that's just mm -hmm. something about me, but um, no, I just remember, I remember seeing that everyone was in a friend group. And then, you know, at this point, you know, four years later, most of those friends, most of those friend groups had either dissolved or shifted. And then I remember talking to, you know, one of my friends who I always saw as someone who, you know, was thriving right off the bat, who looked like they had close friends and their social scene was perfect. And then later on, when I once I got closer, it was like, you know, she was, she just told me how it was riddled with insecurity and competitiveness and how, you know, she doesn't even talk to that person anymore, those people. Um, yeah, I just, I also just remember my, especially my freshman year roommate, she came into Brown with a lot of friends, right? And she was really, really sad her freshman year because she felt like she didn't have friends either. And I didn't really know that because I also didn't think to ask. It was, it's an embarrassing thing to talk about, I think, especially when you're trying to give off the impression that you're doing okay and you're trying to convince yourself that you're doing okay. I think a lot of people hesitate to reach out to others and to get help once it seems like friend groups have solidified. And yeah. Um, but I think in terms of making friends, it's really important keeping in mind that, you know, People, other people are struggling too. A lot of people are struggling. Um, I think like putting yourself out there for sure is the, the best way to do it. I it, It's funny because this year um, I feel like a freshman all over again because a lot of my <laughs> friends graduated. Um, a lot of my friends just graduated and moved on to different places. Um, in Brown, really the only, in the community coming back this year, I knew maybe like three or four people that I used to know. And even then they're not very, you know, 
close relationships. And I just had to like, I don't know, ask someone in my class whether or not she wanted to get coffee and, or whether or not she wanted to study. Studying with, with your friends is not only good for your well-being, but it's also good for your grades as well. Um, <laughs> I think that um, not even studying with the whole group, but studying with someone who has the same type of studying patterns as you. I remember my friend Emily and I would go to the sciences library at our college and literally stay there all night drinking espressos and having these these um chocolate bars that had the equivalent of one cup of caffeine in them and we would just you know it was it was I don't think that it actually had any caffeine at all to be honest mm. it was chocolate um but it was I mean that's really how I got to know her she's one of my closest friends and it's how I got to know her it was just you know make friends with people in your classes it's it's good it's good for the brain it's good for the heart and for the soul I think and also joining clubs I think what I what I wish I had done at Brown that I didn't was join club sports Mm. um yeah I I got into a lab my freshman spring and because of that I didn't join like club basketball or um and I used to play basketball in high school as you know but I wish I had because I think that that is also making space to um also you know exercise your body and just you know forget about school is so important because that's that's something I didn't do I remember I would go to the gym a lot but the gym can also be a very um you know, you're not talking to people while doing it. You're not really interacting with other people while doing it. Um, mm-hmm. So I would suggest it, just doing things that you like. Some of my friends did dance and they met some of their really good friends. It's it's nice being in, in a community and in a, I think, a solid set of, um, like, a, a solid team would make a transition into college easier for some it definitely would have done that for me, I think, but that's just my opinion. Also, I'm sorry, it's super loud. That's <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I can still hear you, but so, I don't know, somehow in like those minutes where you're talking about like socializing, but also like meeting other people through a community, mm-hmm. you just pointed on like almost every like insecurity or quote like issue that I've in college and I've only been in it for like nine weeks now mm-hmm. um because I for those who are listening you probably know that I live off campus by this point but um I also have two part-time jobs outside of school so within the first month already I was having these like breakdowns or panic attacks because I felt like everyone had their life together and there was people who like got along with the roommates or the people on their entire dorm floor. And then they would all like, for some reason, I just happened to be following all the people who like go to parties or they hang out in someone's room or they go to this fancy dinner place to celebrate someone's birthday who they known like two weeks. And I was having a lot of points where I was thinking, what am I doing wrong that everyone else seems to have friends and these like certain group of people they already match their Instagram profile pictures or they have some group name or something and I was doubting myself way earlier than I expected to because it wasn't even in like midterm season yet when I was Mm -hmm. seeing all of that and kind of like you said I, I don't have like a set group I just have friends that are like very different fields so coming together like it wouldn't really necessarily be smooth um and I have more friends now than per se like three weeks ago but it was because I actually like made myself go to the club events that I'm in because I joined two clubs um they're low commitment they're like bi-weekly And um, I just remember thinking, if I don't 
like in college, it's a lot harder than high school, especially if you're off campus to meet people because everyone has like their own thing going on. I think something I noticed is it seems like everyone minds their own business. Mm -hmm. So if you don't put yourself out there, or at least for introverts, from my perspective that I've seen, it's harder to make friends or even create a group. Like some people in some of my classes, they seem very closed off. And then my other half of classes, people are like, okay, let's make a group chat right now so that we can like study together. So I think it was helpful that you pointed out that it's not like a rare thing to feel that because no. like me and my other friend, um, she's from one of my classes and she reached out to me the first week of school. Um, we were talking about how it seems like everyone already has like their next four year years planned or something, or they made best friends with like half the people in their dorm and um I don't know I feel like in college it's just it because of like name schools or whatever people post on social media it it's really hard not to compare yourself yeah, which is yeah. what I've been trying to avoid doing and I actually just did a week in my life college vlog and I uploaded it on YouTube like today and one of the things I... I, <laughs> one of the things I talked about because I um I had two of my friends be in it and within like the 20 minute time I had to edit it because it was way too long but something I talked about with both of them was the falsehood of social media because huh. social media everyone just highlights everything like, you know how there's those highlights on your stories and it's scary to talk about issues that you're having, especially mental health issues, because it's vulnerability and mm -hmm. you don't want to make it seem like, oh, I'm, you don't want to say like, oh, I'm lonely and blah, blah, because people will either like pity you or they'll just like ignore it and move on with their lives. So I'm really, I'm really, I'm sorry, I'm just really glad that you pointed it out because I feel like it's something that's not talked about. So um, speaking of when you said you were about to do club sports, what were some things that you did involve yourself in or what were some things that you um, worked on that were very like memorable in your undergrad experience? Um. So I talked about club basketball and other club sports because it was actually one of the things I had, I, I still regret not doing. Um, I wish I had, I think I would have liked it. But um, my, my freshman spring, I joined a lab. It's a liver research lab, but they actually focus a lot on um, lipids in the brain and how that changes and um, interacts with alcohol um, and other therapeutics that could potentially remediate the ventral judgmental effect of, effects of alcohol. Um, yeah, so I so I really just threw myself into that lab. I would, um, it's not on campus, it's a little bit further away. So that took up a good majority of my time, my freshman spring and subsequent semesters. Um, I also volunteered at um, a local high school with this organization called STEMS, which was essentially um, STEM tutoring for the local community. And I did that for two semesters. It was really nice. I ended up not being able to because I took on more work at my lab, but um, that was really cool to be able to connect to um, the Providence community, which is actually extremely, um, you know, Brown University and College Hill is a bubble and it is, you know, the, the, this, this high school is, it's a 10 minute walk up the street, but it is already such a different um, and 
different environment um, than here. And it seems like Brown is extremely closed off to the outside Providence community. So that was pretty um, eye-opening, enriching, and um, space to be in and also just thing to do. It was, it was nice interacting with, you know, freshmen in high school and being able to help them with math, which is what I did. And it was nice because I, I got to walk up um, the street with some people I met in that, um, in that organization. Also, the, the people that I met were not just um, people in my grade. I did it my freshman year and early my sophomore year. They were, you know, juniors and seniors, and so it was it was very cool to get that perspective from older students because I did not come into Brown knowing anyone. I I don't think anyone at the school had gone to Fashaw. Um, I didn't have that many, very many upperclassmen friends, which is such another tip: make friends with upperclassmen. You, I think, have it good having hope as an older sister. <laughs> Um, but I think it's so important to talk to people and just to get advice from older students about which classes are worth taking, what professors are good at teaching. It's, you know, it's, it, it will pay itself over and over again to just reach out to the older, you know, um, older student and ask questions because, um, they're a valuable resource that I don't, I think people are usually intimidated, um, in, us reaching out to you but yeah so I did that and let's see honestly my my lab work has been a good majority of my undergraduate career I'm volunteering at a um, free clinic as well it's we're vaccinating a lot of people in the Providence community the um, those who don't have insurance so it's really important um, what we were doing there that's been really fulfilling as well um let's see what else i also um worked at a pizza shop <laughs> in providence as well for a couple of semesters just because i you know i wanted to see more of providence i felt really you know closed off to it in the brown bubble so i just got a job at a local pizzeria called fellini's for a couple semesters or like half a year maybe a little bit more than that that was pretty nice because I got to meet people outside of the brown community which was the it was the first the first people I had met who were from Providence and had nothing to do with brown um, <laughs> so that was nice but also a lot of these things that I did were apart from the Rhode Island free clinic and apart from the tutoring were pretty you know individual i i didn't really have I, I didn't have the opportunity to make that many friends just because actually that's a, that's a lie um the other i wasn't able to make friends that were my age that makes sense so in my lab i actually you know i had i don't know how old she was but she had two kids and she was from turkey and um she's someone who she's you know one of my mentors now and that's really important too finding people that you're comfortable talking about your career goals with and who can kind of show you you know I know for sure that research is like I don't think I want it to be my long I, I prefer I much prefer working with people and mm -hmm. talking to people and doing that face-to-face -face, um interaction having those face-to-face -face interactions but, you know, some people really like research, too. And um, M&A is, that's my mentor. She definitely showed me how to enjoy that kind of work. And she also showed me how to do it. Um, but, yeah, those are the some of the activities I participated in while at Brown. I'm trying to think. It's, like, it's funny because I'm – you forget so much. It's, it's been a while. I've, I definitely did other things. I also joined a club called Saving Mothers, which was really fun. We would have a lot of guest speak speakers that would talk about um, delivering um, materials for new mothers and also just, you know, materials for women in general in developing countries. That was pretty nice. 
yeah, that's all I can think of right now. But I'm sure I'm sure I'll think of 10 more, but <laughs> like in two hours when I'm not talking. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Did any of those fall under um, like during COVID time? In COVID, I was still going to my lab in COVID. Mm. Um, but it was weird because not a lot of people were in there. So it was just me and my mentor. Um, I also was volunteering for a, for a little bit. This is not during, this is not, you know, March, 2020, but I think, you know, I don't know, like February, 2021, I was volunteering for this organization called Postpartum Support International um, that, you know, focused on postpartum depression and raising awareness about it. And I did, it was, it was, I mean, I was not actually working with um, people because it was all online. I was basically just doing a lot of infrastructure work for them, you know, like scaffolding, you know, making, you know, consolidating emails, um, finding out what you know, peer support groups were still open during COVID because a lot of the things that, a lot of the support structures that were in place before COVID kind of fell apart. Um, and of course, mental health was such a priority during that period too, because of how, of, because of the circumstances in general. So yeah, that, that was one thing that I did, but it was, it was hard because it was all remote work and it was hard feeling fully involved and you also didn't see anyone. I, I didn't ever in person meet any of the people I was working with. It was all on Zoom mm. and it was all, you know, Excel sheets and stuff like that. So it's, it, it would be weird. I, I think it would be extremely strange starting school and having everything be online. I just, I can't imagine. I can't imagine how that would happen. Just a lot of, the things that I did and a lot of the people I met all came up organically through, mm. you know, taking classes together, bumping into someone, you know, seeing someone going in and out of your dorm. That's how I made friends. And that's, you know, I think it would be hard doing it now or at least like a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, speaking of mental health, how would you say that you've grown from, I guess, like right before COVID to now, just as a person or as a student, like emotionally, mentally, whichever path you want to take. Yeah, um, let's see. So I think, I think the most stark change um, that has happened, or at least in the way that I perceive myself, is the fact that before COVID, I was very much, you know, an extrovert. I love being around people. I was never at my house. I was never at my dorm. I was always out doing things. I would stay in the library until I was, until, you know, 3 a.m. I would, where I was living was really just a bed to sleep. I wouldn't eat at home. I, you know, would leave at 8 a.m. and I would come back at 2.30. Um, but I think now I really <laughs> I got really into cooking. Um, I had I was lucky because I, um, over COVID, I had multiple, I had, you know, six different roommates, maybe even more, just, you know, random people that I barely knew. Um, just the way things worked out, it was either a subletter or, um, you know, people who needed housing in a, in a quick cinch who were friends with my roommates, you know, best friend. Um, I don't know. So it, I had a lot of random roommates, but I liked all of them luckily. And we, I had never really um, been the type of person to like sit down for dinner in college. But I think mm -hmm. that's something I really value now is, you know, spending time at home with my roommates in general and cooking together and you know studying together at a table and just talking for hours with one person or another whereas before that wasn't really my 
my thing. I would so much before before COVID, I think I would have so much preferred to, you know, on a given Friday night, go out to a party with my friends or whatever. Um, but now I think I, I'm more of a homebody. Mm. I think a lot of people also experience that. Yeah. I also think COVID made me really anxious as well, honestly. Um, I recently started going to therapy because, and it also, it seems that everyone I know has recently started going to therapy because <laughs> everyone needs a therapist. I've always said it, but especially now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think COVID was a strange time for me because you know, someone who was very close to me developed um, OCD and, you know, realizing what was happening and getting them to get to the point where they accepted that that that's what was happening and, you know, accepted the fact that they needed to get help and they couldn't fix it themselves. Um, I think that whole process in general really encouraged me to seek my own help because I was I was definitely the the advocate for that person I was fully the person who was like we need to find you a therapist we need to you know if if you need a medication we need to get you on those meds um and like I I think that and seeing how important it was for that person to seek help has since encouraged me to do the same for myself just as I think people are so hard on themselves and are reluctant to admit to themselves that they may need I mean for sure like myself I I I find it so hard to ask questions or ask ask other people for help because I think like I should just be able to do it myself um Mm -hmm. I've done it for a while but you know in some cases you just have to you just have to give into the fact that people are people can't do it all on their own but um yeah I think COVID I was living with someone whose significant other was um severely immunocompromised so the especially being at at college during a pandemic is strange because parties are going to happen no matter what um and so my first semester here before he got vaccinated it was, you know, constantly people were quarantining and, mm-hmm. you know, I remember like getting sick at some point. I didn't get COVID, but I had a cold. And those first couple of days, I felt so anxious and stressed out and just terrible and guilty because I was like, if, you know, if he gets COVID, he can, he, he's going to have to go to the hospital. He's going to have really bad case he could potentially die um and i think that that's something that a lot of people have had to deal with during the pandemic is just um is just coming to terms with the accountability of um you know of accountability in general and just realizing that you are not your actions are not fully individual you know like your choices impact other people's choices um or i mean in other people's lives so Mm -hmm. I think that my first semester last year was, you know, it was very anxiety producing. I was nervous. Also, when I went home, I was just nervous all the time of flying. And um, and I never really thought of myself as an anxious person before that. I think I, I fully was, but I didn't think of myself as someone who was anxious. Um, that, that's another thing that came to light and you know I like went to therapy for a specific issue that I was having but then while I was there you know my therapist was just like you know you had this is a pattern in your life and she just gets me talking about different things and so I think it's really helpful to just have a third person perspective because you know yourself so well that you don't notice patterns they just seem Mm -hmm. normal I think that having that third person perspective on your life and your train of thought can really um, bring to light some of these, uh, you know, sometimes detrimental trains of thought and just modes of thinking in general. I think that that was redundant what I just said, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But COVID definitely like 
COVID was the start of all of that, of that conversation about mental health. Yeah, I think it's something that's like finally being highlighted and put to the front wall because um, my first, uh, my very first class in college, my professor said, um, if you guys like need help or you want someone to talk to or um, you're struggling mentally, academically, then you should ask for help, especially that like after what we've been through in the past like year and a half, a little bit more. And I was so surprised because that was the first time I heard any teacher that I've ever had actually talk about mental health or actually like getting help um, for something Mm -hmm. non-academic. So yeah, I like that you brought up the point that it's actually like being recognized now. For sure. Um, Yeah, and it's unfortunate that it took this to do yeah. that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's unfortunate the circumstances of affecting people worldwide. Like, it finally brought up that issue after it existing for forever. Um, my last question for you, Camilla, is like looking back on your college experience. Um, with both in person, but also online, what is something you would tell um, like like your freshman year self or to um, to, like your lower division freshman, sophomore year version of yourself after what you've been through? Let's see, I, and this is so cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. I would just say to do what makes you happy. And that is saying, you know, take the pressure off yourself um, in terms of what you think that other people are expecting from you, because when it comes down to it, you're going to be the best at what you enjoy doing. And if you, you know, dedicate your time to doing things that actually, that you are actually interested in, if you have time to figure that out, you know, I admire my friends who did a week of lab and, you know, just quit because they were like, I'm not happy doing this. Um, and they went on to doing other things that they enjoyed and now they're thriving in those circumstances. And also I, th- I think too, you know, another thing that people don't really talk about is you know, I think maybe this is just brown, but in general, you know, having, I I remember like for, for two years of my life when I was at Brown, I would go, you know, I was, I was an athlete in high school. And so I was used to exercising. And so my, I don't know, my like, like, sophomore and junior year I would go to the gym every single day even though I wasn't feeling it and that was just taking so much time and energy from me and I think just yeah like stop holding yourself to such high standards um in terms of like what you think that people you know what you think that you should do I mean I think I think using the word should like I should go to the gym today I should be you know taking this course I should be concentrating in this subject I think all of those all of those that kind of thinking is can be very detrimental because you know it it just doesn't make you happy if I mean that's ultimately the goal right to to do what you want to do and you know, if you're, if you're studying for an exam, don't like, you know, don't not sleep for an entire night because you're, you're going to score maybe like 1% higher. Um, I think fully taking the time to, to think about what it is that gets you going and what it is that your you and your body and your, your like soul needs at that point in time is you know that that time for introspection is so important um and something that I did that 
changed my life and the way I, you know, went about it is I started journaling. I, it was for a class I took my sophomore year. It was, we had an assignment to, you know, journal every single day for the semester. And it was like a creative nonfiction course, but I continued, you know, I started doing it and, you know, how habits form. Um, I continued doing it and I still journal today. And I think that that time to just, you know, even if it's just been a frustrating day, writing it down makes you feel so much different and, and it, you know, sheds light on some of the things you might have not have noticed before. So yeah. Anyways, that was like not a very consolidated answer, but um, I do think that taking the time to figure to figure out what you know what you like is totally worth it. And just forget everything that you I mean, I came to college like thinking I was gonna concentrate in one thing and then I, I changed my mind four times and I think if I had known at the beginning of college that it was okay to do that, I would have been a lot I would have saved myself a lot of stress. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's all I can think of. Journaling is a great tool. So is therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess like I haven't really started journaling, but um, whenever I feel like stress or anxious, I do. And um, do you, have you heard of the app called One Second Every Day? Yeah, I have it. <laughs> yeah, I I have the app and I've been, I need to update it. But I've been trying to do that just to, I guess, hold me accountable for like the little moments in the day, whether it be good or bad. Um, so I just want to th thank you for like all the advice and experience you talked about because it made me feel better or validate the feelings I've had within the nine weeks that I've been a college student but um it was really great catching up with you it's yeah, it's, it's been really so fun. long I know it's nice to see a familiar face <laughs> and also um, if you like if you ever want to talk about anything you can feel free to reach out um I love talking about things with people especially when it comes you know I, I really enjoyed the questions you had and the and the direction your your whole podcast is going in because I think that talking about these things is so important and it and it's good to talk about it with someone you you know you can trust. So um, if you ever have any more doubts or if you need advice in general, I don't know. I've I've never done like entrepreneurship, but <laughs> I have advice in college or I have, I have experience in college. So yeah, yeah, feel free to reach out whenever. Yeah, thank you so much for your time, though. Um, I'm going to end the episode right here.